In this episode of Board Game Impact, Josh and I are going to talk about the sunk cost fallacy in games. Stay tuned. Howdy and welcome to another episode of Board Game Impact. As always, I am Bruce and I'm joined by... This is Josh. And today we're going to be doing something pretty cool. We're going to be diving into uh, what's called the sunk cost fallacy. But before we get there, if this is your first episode listening to Board Game Impact, uh, just we are two educators. We both work in higher education. And what we're doing is we're breaking down gaming experiences from our education lenses for your gaming group and your benefit. So if that sounds like something of interest to you, make sure to subscribe here on our YouTube channel, all the places. Um, but Josh, uh, before we get into the episode, you have a special shout out that you would like to do. Absolutely. Thanks, Bruce. I just wanted to give a very brief shout out to uh, several members. I won't go through all of them, but the founding members of the Colorado Springs board game group, uh, which I am a part of here. Uh, This past weekend was Extra Life. uh, And as always, the group got together to do a 24-hour lock-in game-a-thon at one of the local stores here. Um, very well so- managed, uh, socially distanced. Um, we, we kept our numbers down a lot more this year than normal uh, with with players being there. Uh, we also kept tables spaced and took all of the necessary precautions, but uh, had an excellent time. Uh, looking forward to talking in, in some future episodes about some of the, the games we got to play there. But I wanted to give a, an amazing shout out, despite the pandemic, despite keeping our numbers about half of what we normally see on a 24-hour game day like this, we still managed to raise over $3,000. Uh, and I just want to give a, a, a huge shout out, a huge credit to everyone from the Colorado Springs board game group that was able to make it out give donations, um, raise money for an excellent cause like Extra Life. That is amazing. And Josh, I had to put in the little uh, applause track for that because that is just truly impactful. Uh, Listeners, if you didn't go back and listen to that episode that Josh and I recorded in August when Josh and I both participated in Extra Life's Tabletop Appreciation Weekend, um, we'd recommend you go do that to learn a little bit more about Extra Life. But real quick, um, Extra Life is a wonderful nonprofit started in 2008 that raises money for the Children's Miracle Network. Um, And so Josh and I, we did a 10-hour stream during Tabletop Appreciation Weekend and were able to raise just shy of $1,000, which is incredible. And thank you so much for all your support. Um, And But Josh, that's amazing that y'all were able to do this and have such a great impact in a day. That's amazing. Um, So shout out to you. Shout out to the Colorado Springs Game Group. Um, I have one shout out I need to do as well. Um, and that is for Michael, better known as Futiles. Um, he participated this past weekend. I know Michael from BGG, um, but he raised uh, additional $521 by himself for the Kansas University Children's. Um, but more importantly, Michael actually just surpassed his $20,000 um, that he has raised in his experience with uh, Extra Life. So Amazing work, Michael. Amazing work, Josh, to your game group. Um, And this is all benefiting a really good cause. And so just keep up the great work, especially as people need these kind of things in our lives. So if you want to learn more about Extra Life, I'll put a link um, to our team page um, in the bio of this episode. Um, But 
Really great job, Josh. Um, and I have one shout out I'd like to do as well. Um, and that is if you listen to the last two episodes of this podcast, you know, it's been a little different um, because as I explained, I've had some life things go on. Um, and I just want to say thank you to those of you who reached out. Um, but also the content from those really comes from the YouTube channel uh, where I had just like moments of solo inspiration to pull in some research and do some very different videos. And that's been just really bucket filling. Um, And that's also part of what inspired today's episode of Josh and I were talking about that. And Josh is going to give an intro for that here in a second. Um, But those YouTube videos, I really encourage you to go watch them. Um, They're blowing up on there, Um, but it's been really fun engaging. So please feel free to leave a comment and I'd love to know you were there. Um, And of course, do a little subscribe if you like that kind of content, um, because the conversations have been really, really rewarding. So Josh, why don't you talk about um, what inspired today's conversation and um, yeah, just kind of lead us in. So uh, a couple things that that go into this that kind of uh, inspired me to kind of bring this topic. Um, a, I just want to give a shout out, Bruce, early on here off the top. Just the amount of con- uh, the content that you've been putting out on the YouTube channel uh, is, has been fantastic. I, having not participated in it, have the pleasure of once again going back and having that experience of of being a a viewer and a fan of something and and i have to say i'm a fan of the content that you're putting out uh on that youtube channel right now so uh, a big props to you as you were or we were discussing uh, some of the content on the youtube channel um, you kind of brought up some ideas of different videos that you were kicking around and thinking about um, going into and and I'm looking forward to seeing what some of those ideas come into uh, moving forward. But in that conversation, uh, you texted me during a Tuesday night, which is generally speaking when I do my gaming with friends from Illinois using. Uh, very recently, we've we've picked up a lot of games on Board Game Arena and have been playing the heck out of Board Game Arena. And the game that got me thinking about this was we were in a game of for sale on Board Game Arena. And the topic came up during that playthrough of the sunk cost fallacy. Um, So for listeners who don't know what the sunk cost fallacy is. Uh, This is a behavioral economic um, phenomenon in which human beings, and actually some very interesting studies have also shown mice and rats do the same thing, that when we make a purchase or we, we invest something of value we tend to overestimate the value of what we have invested and we tend to not acknowledge the fact that that investment is gone and we will never recover it. So we are more likely to spend more money, do more things uh, in order to continue to try and seek a reward on that initial investment. So kind of how this showed up in, in this game of for sale. Um, so very brief overview of for sale. It's an excellent little 
um, trading or not trading, uh, an excellent little auction game. Uh, very quick to play. Two rounds. Uh, the first round, you are bidding on houses. So you have a deck of cards that are numbered from 1 to 30 with different pictures of different houses on them. Uh, and then you have X amount of money to start. And you are blind bidding on auctions that a row of cards will come out equal to the number of players. You are bidding on the houses that are out there. Uh, and whenever you bow out of that round, uh, you will take the lowest value that is remaining. The interesting part and in where sunk cost fallacy comes into play here is that when you bow out, if you are not the biggest spender, you have to spend half of the money that you've bid. So if I bid $2 to start, and it comes back around to me. If I want to bow out and not overbid the player in front of me, I have to pay my $1 and I pull the other dollar back. Yep. So we were playing a game of this and the board in front of us ranged from a $1 card, the lowest value, to a 29, the second highest value. And I started bidding at $2. It's important to note that everyone has the same starting money for this. Yes. Too. Yes. So I start the bidding at, sorry, I started the bidding at $4, hoping to push at that high of a bid my opponents out of the running earlier on so that hopefully I wouldn't get stuck with that one, knowing I probably wasn't going to get the 29 for $4. Uh, but when it came back around to me, no one had bowed out. Ouch. So if I <laughs> wanted to bow out, I was paying $2 for the lowest value card in the game. And I think you start with something like $18. It's not yeah, it's, a lot of money that you have to pay Dependent on player count, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I got to thinking about this, and I'm like, I, I, I can't spend spend two dollars on the lowest card in the game so i'm gonna bid this up to eight dollars and then the person behind me is like well i'm not gonna bid spend three dollars on a one so they bid it up to nine <laughs> and all of a sudden we're now spending half of your money for on the a entire game. auction <laughs> when there's going to be four more auctions after this <laughs> and so we just started having this conversation about how sunk cost fallacy was playing itself out live and in person and we all acknowledged this is what's happening but it still guided that behavior <laughs> and so i i was thinking about that and the interesting concept behind that and how that influences not just the games that we play but also the way that we interact with games that we play yeah um, so, Bruce, have you ever had this experience either in gaming or around gaming? Um, I have, but I didn't know that's what it was. Honestly, I hadn't heard the term before you texted me. And then I dug into the library and I found about three pages of now notes I wrote for today's episode. Um, but there's an important aspect I want to bring up with your example, Josh, of when this came up for you. And, I, and Tuesday night is my game night, too. Um but the funny thing is about for sale is the second half of the game, you're using the properties you bid on. So each of those numbers is a property um, to then 
try and sell it off and whoever has the most money at the end of the game wins so not only are you you keep giving up victory points right um because hard money is the tiebreaker um but there's you'll lay out cards that range from zero dollars to fifteen dollars you pick one of your properties reveal it and so yeah that 29 is more likely to win a trick essentially it's a essentially a trick taking game in the second half um but the thing is, if the lowest value card in that flop is a 13, somebody can put in a 1 and still get a 13 when you had to spend all that money to try and get something good. Um, so the funny thing is there's no nothing indicative on the performance of a card except the probabilities, of course. Um, but that doesn't mean that's how it'll actually perform. So that's part of the whole sunk cost thing. But yeah, Josh, I've experienced this a number of times. Sunk, uh, honestly... For sale is a favorite, one of my favorite games to play with a larger group. Um, and so, yeah, I see that all the time. I will say also in for sale, just to put this out there, there's also a little bit of like, I just want to deny you this to deny you this. Um, so that can be a play too. But the aspect of bidding, um, I actually see a lot more um, and the sunk cost there with modern art, um, which is built around, it's Reiner Knizia. It's the first game that, Honestly, I played in Texas with my wife and with my game group, and now I own like five versions of it. Um, and that game is built around doing different style art auctions, um, whether it be a once around where you start with a number and whoever you see that you increase or pass um, and whoever is left with it is left with it or actual auctioning like you hear a hundred here, hundred here, who's got 200 um, or blind auctions. But when you have the open auctions or the one up ones, I've noticed people to go into this whole sunk cost thing because they might already have other art from that one artist, which is going to then score even more for them if they're able to get more of that art. Um, so there's a sunk cost of that in investment they've already made of the other art from the single artist. Uh, but now it's a new piece of art that has no investment, but because it still carries over because it's the same artist. Um, so as I was reflecting, yeah, Josh, I've seen this a bunch um, and I thank you for kind of raising my awareness about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it is it is interesting. I, I encourage you to pay attention because I hadn't even thought about uh, modern art because and, and of course it does. Right. I think in it, it is going to show up most often in those auction style uh, or or economic based games because you're you're really trying to to push for um you know it, it's an economic theory and and or an economic phenomenon so you're you're more likely to see it in those economic based games mm-hmm. uh, but but pay attention to it cuz you'll see it pop up elsewhere right yeah um engine building games is somewhere else that it it pops up frequently i think about times when which i played uh terraforming mars Oh my gosh! And <laughs> really got you know got a starting corporation uh-huh. that maybe geared towards big cards, and so then I spent the entire game looking for those big cards, um, and and ignored things that probably would have scored me more points if I'd have just gone for them rather than just only focusing on this one strategy or this one mechanic that that I was geared and set up to focus on based off of my starting position. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and so if you're still trying to like grapple with like I don't understand the application of this, I've got two examples I pulled from literature, and then I think it'd be cool for us to jump into more games, Josh. Um, mm-hmm. So what's interesting? So the NFL has some stuff, and the NBA have studied this. Um, so a, a linear result suggests that a ten percent increase in the salary cap for an NFL player yields an additional two point seven games started. Meanwhile, there's no difference in performance for that player. Um, so if someone is pay- getting paid a high salary for the NBA and NFL, they're showing that they'll get more play time when that is not in the salary is actually not indicative of their performance. Um, so those with sometimes lower performance but still high salaries are getting played and the coaches are making choices to play them and teams are getting Uh, playing those players because of the investment they've already made. And if you're wondering like what this feels like, I've got a really cool little narrative from Dykstra and Hong from 2019. Um, So imagine that you've ordered a a full course dinner at a menu at a restaurant. So think of like Valentine's Day, things like that. Um, And includes appetizers, entree, main course and dessert. All the courses were really good. And then you end up you're getting to the dessert. But after having a few bites of that dessert, you start to feel satiated and would rather not have any more of it. What would you likely do? Stop eating or continue to try and finish the dessert? Many people will actually continue eating the dessert just to justify their earlier investment of, I paid for a full, like a full four-course, whatever, dinner, um, regardless of what their body was actually telling them, like, like yo, yo, stop eating. Um, you're not going to feel good after this. Um, and so if you've ever had that feeling of, uh, like, how is the situation taking over me? Um, that is just, that is this. That, that, is, that is this an application. So if you needed that, hopefully that helps. Actually, Bruce, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that narrative from, from, uh, Daxtra and Hong, uh, because they they also continue with some other examples, and one that I think becomes really really applicable to the board game hobby as a whole, right? Yeah. Um. They they bring up the 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 example of watching a bore a movie that you dislike or a movie that you find boring, um, especially if you paid to watch that movie Mm -hmm. um but even if you're just sitting on your couch watching netflix and you have thousands and thousands of other options right when you start watching something and you invest 30 minutes 40 minutes and you're not enjoying it people are more likely to continue watching the movie to finish it so that their investment of the 30 or 40 minutes or you know if you paid for a movie on uh you know on prime or you paid to actually go see a movie in person in theaters you're going to more likely to sit through the entire thing to get that return on investment Mm -hmm. and i thank you for continuing that um sorry i didn't do that um Uh but it's important to recognize we're talking a lot about money Um, but it doesn't only have to be money. So money is a big thing for it, obviously, because it's come from an economic theory, but it can also be tied to time or effort. Um, so effort was kind of like what Josh was talking about of, I've already laid all this groundwork for terraforming Mars could based on this corporation that I have. So I, so therefore I'm going to keep going this way, even though the board state might actually tell you, you should do something else. Um, 
So there's that part of it, of the effort you've already put into it. So maybe that is watching a lot of reviews or XYZ. Um, so we're going to talk about some games now, and then I'm gonna, we're going to probably pull in some more of this literature as we're going, uh, because it's really cool, the connections then between money and effort and time. Um, so Josh, where do you want to start next? So, so Bruce, I'd love to hear your thoughts, actually, on um, a, a game that you have been <laughs> investing yeah. a lot of resources into, um, both from an economic and uh, time perspective. Yeah. So <laughs> why don't why don't you you share a little bit about your experience of sunk cost fallacy and Warhammer? Yeah. So uh, listeners, and if you've been on any of our social media, you've been seeing me post pictures of my updates to my t- Warhammer 40k Tau army. Um, have I ever played Warhammer? I played it using some friends stuff back in like middle school, but that's been like 20 years. Um, so no, I would say no, I haven't really ever played Warhammer. However, I now have a entire Tau army um, for the, from the last couple months. And for those of you who know what that means, you know what I've invested, um, both in terms of time and money and all the things. But Warhammer 40k, is, for those of you who do not know what that is, um, it's a tabletop game in which a miniatures game in which you are you have an army or if you want to do the smaller version that's kill team where you have like a squad um, and you are measuring using measuring tape moving your squads and vehicles and all those kind of things around a table around terrain i also have terrain um to then roll the dice to see and compare that to the stats for each of those units to see if you hit or have different things happen that in a nutshell is warhammer 40k but there's many different armies and stuff. This is built made by Games Workshop. These models are expensive, um, but they're high quality. Um, but it's considered not only a game, it's considered a hobby within a hobby because of the fact that it actually says on the boxes like collect, build, paint, play. Um, so there's the collection aspect. There is the then building. So these aren't assembled when you get them. They come on what's called sprues. And so I use clippers and cut them out and actually then file them to get rid of the mold lines. And then I glue them together using specialized glue. And then I will spray them for priming them and I will paint them so that if you want to see how I'm doing with painting, I'm actually I'm very happy with painting and think it's going pretty well, but it takes a lot of time. Um, And then at the same time, then there's the playing and I have not played this and games usually take for a kill team about an hour from what I've seen. Again, I haven't actually played it yet. Uh, but then for a full army game, you could be playing for a couple hours. And if you want to see what a full army game looks like, I recommend watching the uh, YouTube channel Play on Tabletop. They have a whole series called 40K in 40 Minutes um, that condenses the whole thing. So if you want to learn about the different armies and stuff, they've been a wonderful resource for me. So I just want to do a shout out because they're doing amazing work. So Josh, what I've been doing is I actually have been interested in playing Warhammer 40K for a long time. For a long time. The models have always caught my eye. It's like, ooh, that that looks cool. But obviously, I have to do all my own work to make them look like that. And I gave myself a rule that obviously I didn't listen to. Um, and that was that I wasn't going to start collecting and doing all the things with Warhammer until I got through my PhD. Now, granted, I did pass some major milestones just the other week. I 
finalize my committee for my dissertation, which is an amazing step. Um, but obviously, I've started collecting Warhammer and doing all the things. And so within sunk cost, there was definitely a moment, like, don't get me wrong, I am having a lot of fun doing what I'm doing with it. And painting and building and collecting has actually, well, not the collecting part, but the painting and building has been really cathartic for me in the midst of a pandemic for something I can do in isolation that fills my bucket and brings me joy and like has me achieving my own versions of mastery and learning. Um, so that's been really good. So despite my rule, it's been good. But... I then fall into this thing, Josh. Like, I have this terrain now. I'm real excited about the terrain. Did I really need the terrain? No. But I was like, but if I want to play it with Josh, like we're talking about potentially doing a kill team eventually um, and playing together when we can do that, I wanted to have it. So I then invested a considerable amount of money, um, and I'm going to invest a considerable amount of time and energy to then build all of that terrain Um for something, I don't know if I will use all of it, and especially with my army. Like, if I only play small-scale games, did I just invest all this stuff into, like, a tank, a freaking giant walking mech, several squads of units for things I'll never use? So, yeah, so, that's a crash course. Sorry, I know that was a lot. <laughs> so, so Bruce, I, I actually kind of want to push back on you a little bit here, right? Please um, on, on the idea of applying sunk cost fallacy to the way you're describing your personal experience with Warhammer 40K. I do think um, there are lots of applications of the sunk cost fallacy to tabletop miniature war games. Yes. Um, and, and the people who for whom that is their hobby right where as for for you and me to a lesser extent so i i bought a starter pack and really was planning to use this as a way to to practice painting minis because i'd love to do that with some of my board games but for for you and i the idea of of warhammer or any type of tactical miniatures game is kind of a a side to this bigger board gaming hobby. Correct. Um, But certainly for people for whom this is everything, right? There is certainly the idea of, well, if I have a Tau army Mm -hmm. and they release a new, uh, you know, a, a new unit, for that army, then I well, if I've already got the rest of this army, then I need, I need to add this on. Yeah, to add this on. Yeah, that I think is a application of sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, absolutely. What you're describing to me is actually feels like the reverse because you're saying you're not saying I need these things because I have maybe maybe the terrain. I can see the argument behind the purchase yeah. of the terrain, but right for you. This is more just something that you're getting intrinsic value out of it, right? The intrinsic value for you, at least from what it sounds like, is not playing the game, but rather having something to put together um, or or something to paint, something to do with your hands in isolation during a pandemic. And so 
your investment of time, your investment of resources is not viewed as being wasted, right? That's where the concern around sunk cost fallacy is, right? What would your feelings towards that army be if you never got a chance to play it? Uh, Well, first of all, and I appreciate you pushing back, I would say that going in, this was not my intent. So my intent was get an army (laughs) to play, Mm -hmm. and that's why I invested all the things. I found a fringe benefit from it, but I was definitely buying new units because I needed new units. Um, And that was driving my decision. And like to an outside observer, it's still technically a game, so it could be viewed in that way, right? Because I'm not actually Mm -hmm. applying it. So it's usability is not. Uh, But there's another thing I need to talk about that is another aspect of sunk cost um, because I want to clarify this. There's an aspect when I was painting. I'm looking at my units right now. They're on my shelf to my right. And my first units I was painting, I'm doing like a Gundam theme. I love Gundam. Um, And so these units, they look a lot different than my my more recently painted units. And I, and I feel when I, when I was making the transition of applying different painting techniques, I was like, but I, I can't apply these techniques because it's no longer in line with my army's look. And I was mm. feeling that my energy, because I had invested all of this effort <laughs> to paint these things a certain way. And then all of a sudden that paint scheme was, that's not really what I'm going with. And and I feel this like, ugh, I wasted all of that time. You know what I mean? Um, but I have to like, it's just, it's sunk. Like it's, I'm not recovering that. So just move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's a, a good, a good way of looking at that though. Um, but, but at the same time, I, I think it's important to recognize that that's a feeling that you're having. Yeah. Um, I, I think the question then becomes what action did you take um, as a result of that feeling? Cause we're, we're always going to have that feeling, right? Um, you know, I, uh, I, I spent too much time focused on X, Y, Z. I should have been focusing on a, B and C. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's that feeling that the question, and I think the concern around the sunk cost fallacy, at least from my perspective, isn't necessarily the feeling. Because I think you can acknowledge that feeling and say, okay, this is a sunk cost. Um, I feel as though I've wasted this time, but I'm not going to get that time back. Mm-hmm. So instead, I'm going to focus on moving forward, you know, continuing to develop, to develop my skills. And maybe one day I'll get some more time and I can go back and repaint uh, strip strip those old yep menus that simple I don't green. like painting on. <laughs> yeah, but the thing that's important, Josh, is you're acknowledging that there's been introspection and reflection, mm-hmm. and typically sunk cost fallacy is was at play when I was in like the heat of the moment, um, mm-hmm. and so that's more slow brain being applied. So where sunk cost fallacy is really like fast brain. And to answer your question, they're still painted the other way. Um, I have not changed them. I always mm-hmm. like it. I get a little twinge, honestly, about them a little bit. Uh, but I saw somebody post online of like, just go with like the rule of cool. Um, but I had to have somebody kind of pull me out of those moments. And we're going to do a little PSA at the end of this. Um, but yeah, so that's that's been what this has been like for me in terms of just this. 
Um, but I think it's important that we like pivot to, cause like not everyone plays 40 K. Right. Um, so how about, um, Josh, I say, so obviously we have our little Google doc up in front of us. And so Josh, I'm going to toss one to you and why don't you hop us in into, um, playing games we don't enjoy. Yeah. So this is actually a little bit where I was going earlier with the analogy of watching movies. Um, and, and I actually find myself uh, I had to pull myself out of a TV show um, that I, I had started watching that I wasn't enjoying. Um, and I probably watched three or four episodes of this show um, that, uh, knowing that I didn't enjoy it. Um, so Schitt's Creek was the, <laughs> is the show I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, I can um, say some comments real quick about that after you give your little intro. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I've been told by numerous people, like, get through the first couple episodes or even the first season and the character, get to know the characters and it will be good. But I watched, like, three episodes of this show and I just, I don't enjoy it. And finally, I had to tell myself, like, I'm wasting my time doing this thing, hoping to get some investment out of, or some reward out of this investment. And it's just, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't find it to be that entertaining uh-huh josh you and i just clicked on a whole another level because one time i went back home to new york and my family's like you got to watch the show we're addicted to i got through about three four episodes because they forced me to watch it now i just i'm like i gotta leave the room um can't, can't <laughs> i can't i couldn't do it but like you can say the same thing about star trek you can say the same thing about doctor who where the fans are like you got to get through that first season right um, but let's pivot back to games, but I just, I'm yeah. glad we connected on a whole nother level just now. <laughs> a whole nother level. <laughs> and congrats to Shit's Creek on all the awards and stuff. And if that is for you, great. It's just not for us, but sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I am absolutely positive that there is good reason why it is so, so acclaimed. Um, but it just, it didn't click for me, Yep. which is something that happens with board games a lot, right? There are plenty of people out there for whom certain games just don't click. Yep. Uh, my example, we've talked about it a number of times on this show. I'm not a huge fan of Root. Now, I'll, I will be one of the first people to acknowledge Root is a marvelously designed game. Sure. There's a lot of really, really great things about it. But I generally don't enjoy playing Root most of the time. Now, it got thrown onto my new 10 by 5 <laughs> And so I'm going to play it five times this year. And I'm okay with that because that's part of the deal of the 10 by 5 is that you play games because other people want to play them. But if I were to go to a game night... Uh, and someone put root on the table and I started playing it and I didn't really enjoy it. I would feel really guilty about saying, I'm not really enjoying this game. Or if I go to game night and someone puts root on the table and my decision is, well, I drove out to game night. I'm here. So mm -hmm. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play this game. I don't enjoy that I think is the where where sunk cost fallacy comes in, right? Yeah, where you continue to engage in something that you don't aren't having fun with, don't enjoy, and you're 
honestly, oftentimes having a negative impact on the enjoyment of the rest of the table yeah, by continuing to be there and yeah. forcing yourself to try and enjoy this game. Yeah, I want to lean in on that real quick. Yeah, so if you are feeling like I am just not having fun and in those moments, check your emotional intelligence and like how much are you projecting that because it's going to affect other people. Um, but I will just add a quick caveat, Josh, and that is that by being with other people, um, we can't always expect others to always play the games we want to play. And so we're not saying that when you happen to play one game and it's just, this isn't the best game I've ever played, but honestly, somebody else really wanted to play it in your game group. Sometimes giving them that, giving that ability for the games they really want to enjoy and try is good because they've done that for you. But what we're saying, and Josh, I just want to lean in on this is when that is the norm of you are not having fun and you just keep hitting that wall, hitting that wall, um, or you've had the experiences with a game over and over being willing to say like, nah, that one's not really for me. Right. Absolutely. I, I and I, I do want to lean in on a couple things here, right? I think there is a difference from being a sore loser or yes. from being someone who is, I'm, I'm, I guess the only phrase for it is selfish right someone who is only invested in game night for for themselves right i mean ultimately right you you do want to play the games that you enjoy right um but that doesn't mean you're always going to play your favorite games yeah because you're you're playing games with other people right i think there there is something to be said when and I've seen this a couple times at BGG Con where oh my gosh, yes. the table, right? We we pull a game out and we're like, hey, this is on the hotness right now. Let's get it. The game that actually comes to mind for me, um, Bruce, I don't remember if you were around for this, but Altiplano. Oh, yeah, um, I saw y'all playing that. For me, it was Imperial that I think it was. Maybe like halfway through the game, everyone at the table was complaining oh my god they didn't they weren't invested they didn't really like it 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 wasn't for the group but we finished that game (laughs) (laughs) how long did it take i you know i think it was probably an hour and a half two hour game sure sure right of people who weren't really invested weren't really entertained by it but and everything everyone i think ultimately was like you know it was okay but when you're at a board game convention and you're there for a weekend and you're going to play dozens of games, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with a group saying, not really for us. Let's put this away and go find something that's everyone or at least some of the people at this table are going to enjoy. Right. And so um, I also encourage our listeners to go back. If if remember, Josh and I did the episode, it was like four episodes ago, about context mattering. So like when that game gets played, the energy level, have you eaten food at a convention? Um, all of those things can play in and like the sound. Um, so that's what's called your positionality. But you're absolutely right, Josh. I've, convention sessions or convention season in general is full of this. Um, I think of... Like the like, so some conventions have it where there are sessions, right? Um, and then some conventions are really just more open play. 
And that whole thing of the hotness and that feeling of I have to like it because it's on the hotness. I have to invest this time because other people say it is really good. And there's also a whole lot of aesthetic value stuff going on there. It's a whole another conversation. Uh, we just did a video on that for Dune Imperium. Go check that out. And we're going to talk about it on another podcast. But, um, but is that like, why do we, why are we applying that mental model of, when we're playing it, therefore I must keep playing it because I've already come this far. And if other people say they like it and rate it high, then I need to continue going. Cause am I going to discover something later? Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you are 100% right. I, I do think context matters. Um, and I do think a lot of that comes into that. Um, you know, I don't, this kind of gets into a, a different topic that I think we we would I would love to explore at a later date, right? But something where you are there are people who don't enjoy certain games that are the hotness. There mm-hmm. are people who despise wingspan. Sure. Um, there's someone in my in my game group here in Colorado that hates wingspan, refuses to play it. Um, I think wingspan is a fantastic, wonderful mm-hmm. game. Obviously, I talk about it constantly. But, or, or or the same thing with Scythe or Terraforming Mars and Gloomhaven even. There are people who dislike these games that are just in the minds of, of hobby gamers as the best. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. There, I think also nothing a lot wrong of that with the opposite. To, Sorry, what was that? There's nothing wrong with the opposite either of just because yes, it being. I, I think that's the thing that 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 I wanted to spend some time talking about on another yeah. episode. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Right? Yeah, we're gonna do that. Yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with loving a game that is popular. Right. Um but right, there's there's also no reason for you to say just because everyone else loves this, I have to love this. Right. Um, so Josh, you brought up a game that I think really fits into some, some cost fallacy and that mm-hmm. is Gloomhaven. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. And, uh, let's dig into Kickstarter with gloom with Gloomhaven. So I own Gloomhaven. Do you own Gloomhaven? I do not. Okay. So I own Gloomhaven. And then when I was going through and with the, the secret cabal did their, um, Kickstarter and I was like, I'm going to add on for the Gloomhaven, um, side scenario. So I did that because um, I've already got Gloomhaven. At the time, I hadn't played it yet, but I had already invested 100 bucks MSRP, right? Um, and then I was like, but I really want to make it where it's going to get to the table more, even though I'd never played it. And so I invested and then built the um, Daedalus insert for it, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then my wife and I started playing Gloomhaven not too long ago. Um, and at the time of the Frosthaven Kickstarter, and I was like, oh, I'm going to continue to invest because I've already come this far, and if they've improved the mechanics even more, here's another XYZ amount. Oh, it's because that's just what it is. But I'm pretty far in, and I just keep going down the hole for a game I really haven't explored to the largest extent. I... Absolutely. I think there's also another aspect to to Gloomhaven as well. Yeah. And I don't think this is your experience necessarily, but I definitely know people who have had this experience of I've invested 
X number of hours, right? Gloomhaven, that's mm-hmm. a huge game. It's like up to 90 something scenarios, each of which are like an hour to two hours. Yeah. And so if you've played through eight, nine, ten scenarios, I, I had a buddy who, and it wasn't really the game so much as it was the group that he was playing with. He just was struggling to to connect with the that group of gamers. But continued week after week after week to go back and continue playing despite the fact that it wasn't really entertaining but because he had started this made a commitment it wasn't entertaining to him yeah he wasn't gonna back out and 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 begin playing something different yeah that's fascinating to hear like i know we've played through you played through like 15 scenarios so you can do the math on investment with that plus teaching it and all the other things um, but yeah, you're 100% right of there's been scenarios where I'm like, that wasn't my favorite scenario, but I'm going to, I want to, I want to keep going. I want to get my fix because I want, mm-hmm. I'm already this far. So I want to know where the more of the story goes. Right. Um, so it's not money investment. Well, with this one, there's money involved, but there's time and effort investment there that I just keep pouring into something. So you talked earlier about if we've invested a lot already, we're likely to continue investment, even if it's not yielding results, um, which is interesting. Um, so another thing, Josh, you and I talked about before we started recording with Kickstarter, though, is let's talk about backer levels. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I, I was going to bring this up when you when you mentioned Kickstarter, because there is. There are a couple companies that I can think of that yep. thrive on sunk cost fallacy that make buku bucks <laughs> off of knowing their audience and knowing that the sunk cost fallacy is going to work for them. Yep. Um, especially when you combine sunk cost fallacy with FOMO, fear of missing out. And gamification. Absolutely. There's a lot of really... I, I mean, you could write a dissertation oh, on... Yeah kickstart companies that use kickstarter in board games oh my gosh i can think of the like ethnographic study and the narrative analysis oh my god sorry um <laughs> and i'm not doing that <laughs> my, i'm actually working on nonprofits. side note uh, but maybe later with a journal article we'll see but josh yeah. keep going <laughs> i think about simon simon's the one that comes yeah. to mind immediately i think you could also why am i going to blank on their name now company that Forbidden Realms. Um, I, I think you could Awaken say Awakened Realms, oh. or wait, yeah, Awakened Realms. So that Thank is you. Mythic Games. Yes, um, both of these companies that are um, making their money off of huge, huge Kickstarters, right? Right, looking at games like Rising Sun and Ankh and Cthulhu: Death May Die. Uh, it Blood is rage. probably the the biggest one that they can come to mind there. Yep. You have people who are, you have a base game mm-hmm. that's going for between sixty and a hundred dollars, but after three days, an expansion is announced. Yep. And then three more days there's a modular expansion of additional miniatures. Yep. 
And then a week goes by, and now there's a second expansion. Not a stretch goal. An expansion where you had, mo- expansion. You had money. Exactly. And so what started off as I was paying $100 for a game, or I was paying $60 for a game, became... I was spending $120 for a game and an expansion. Mm -hmm. And then I was paying $130 for a game, an expansion, and a module. And then I was paying $200 for the upgraded minis. And so people continue, and these companies really do, especially CMON, does a really good job of convincing you that you're not going to have the full experience without this yep the cthulhu in (laughs) death may die (laughs) which is cool don't get me wrong and we have a friend who has it and it is legit and completely unnecessary (laughs) it's for one scenario except for having it as a statue display yeah and you don't even actually need it for that one scenario it it is better arguably for that one scenario to have it but it's not a requirement you can still play that scenario without it Mm -hmm. but you had people spending 200 plus dollars not on the game but on the miniature bigature yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah and, and yeah and that all all is related to the sunk cost fallacy of well if i spent the 60 Mm -hmm. well it can be it can be yeah it can now i the reason i say can be i just want to pause us because there's a it's the different of a difference of intent with what you're doing Mm -hmm. if you are adding those things on so they also did this with the most recent marvel united and actually just to put this out there um, they're traded on the Hong Kong, uh, no, the Shanghai Stock Exchange, and they had some stuff come up over the last year where they had to stop trading on it, to be honest, because auditors from PricewaterhouseCoopers couldn't value their Kickstarter income, and they they felt that there was what's called a growing going concern, which meant that they didn't see that business as a viable business after a year. Um, but like that's because there's this weird Kickstarter thing going on. Um, so I'd recommend you look into that. Go on like ICV2 and things if that interests you. Now they have a new set of auditors and their trading is resumed. Um, but if you are on that Kickstarter for, let's say, Cthulhu Death May, Death May Die. Um, actually, no, I'll do Marvel United. Um, if you were on the Kickstarter for Marvel United and added those things on for an intent, intended reason, so futiles didn't really care about the game he loves superheroes right he his thing is um captain america shield that's his logo for extra life and so he intentionally bought the add-ons because he wanted to paint them right didn't didn't really care about the game he liked the miniatures and wanted to paint them which is awesome but if you're just adding it on because you feel like it's the only way to have the experience that is where sunk cost comes in comes in i just wanted to make that clear or because you have an alien brain and you need <laughs> to complete everything. Yeah. You, Slow you brain must. or fast brain. <laughs> well, and, and even then, I, I think I made, I, I will own myself here. Um, I just spent 
money that I had originally convinced myself not to spend uh-huh. on the third Merlin expansion mm. because I got Merlin out again and I realized how much I hate setting up Merlin because I own the first two expansions and they don't all fit into the box and no, they don't. it's kind of a pain and there's no good organization systems out there on the market for it and the third expansion came with a big box and a game trays and I had convinced myself I don't need more Merlin when that Kickstarter was running and now it's on pre-order mm. and I pre-ordered it mm. I, didn't, I didn't know it comes with game trays I need to look at this after trays. this oh my gosh thanks Josh right <laughs> yeah it, and so I you know it, it is I again I point this out because we it brings me back to that conversation around for sale that kicked this all off is even when you know that this is influencing your behavior and even when you acknowledge it, it still happens. Mm -hmm. It's still, it it's part of that reptilian brain. The way that we are hardwired is for this to work. Um, And, you know, I'm not saying anything negative about the companies that, that rely on this at all. Right. That's that's economics Um, and and that's using your business to to the maximum benefit, Um, you know, and and I'm not shaming people who who fall for it. Right. Right. I backed Ankh at its highest level. I will. I have made a commitment that I will never back another Simon game. Like okay. that again, unless there's the new Blood Rage is as good as the first Blood Rage, then I sure. might. Sure, but again, it, it, it's not a you know a negative for for this to happen. It is again. Do you recognize it? Do you continue to gain value out of the thing that you're you're investing in? Or are you just investing for the sake of investing? Yeah. And um, so all that really comes down to, and that's interesting about Simon, Josh, by the way. Um, and you made me think of, as we're wrapping this up, um, a book I was actually reading this semester um, by an author named Kelly McGonigal um, called The Willpower Instinct. Um, and so Kelly McGonigal teaches at Stanford and was teaching a class. She's a neuroscience uh, neuroscientist teaching a class on um, willpower. And it's like, if you like, if people had willpower, no one would sign up for that class. Right. But it's always full. (laughs) And so she's like, I took the class and I made it into a book and the book is designed to be read as a 10 week book. You could read it in like a week. It's really easy reading. It's um, great application of here's the science of how we work. And then here's what that means in reality. Um, and it talks you through like, how do you set goals? Like, so because you said, I won't, I won't blank. Right. Um, I just want to encourage a different perspective and that is an, I will statement. Um, and so saying I will, or I will do this little thing and carving out little steps, because if we try and go just cold Turkey, that's, that's actually showing that's, that's leads to failure more than times than not. Um, and then you're going to, then you could go down the path of being depressed about that, upset about that when in reality, was it unrealistic? And so I encourage just small steps towards your goals 
And but so that way you can see the power of them. And so if if you are someone who's experienced these things, like Josh, you were talking about evaluating some of the Kickstarters and stuff, I would encourage make yourself a checklist of what do you look for in a Kickstarter? What are your negotiables? What are your non-negotiables? And pausing and thinking and making in your choices along that path. And if they present something new along that journey, stop, pause, and check your list again. Um, because then you might have a better framework and you have little things to reward yourself of my system works. And obviously it might need some fine tuning, uh, but wanted to give something there that's helpful. Right. Um, and so if you are interested in learning more about willpower and kind of controlling those things, I encourage you to read that book. I'll put the link in the, in the show notes. So it's willpower instinct by Kelly McGonigal. Um, and essentially it boils down to, yes, we've evolved from our former selves, but evolution's been like owning a owning a truck or owning a, a sports car. Despite the fact that we exist now, we still have all the old parts in our body, so our amygdala and all that kinds of stuff, from our very, very old selves. The other thing is we just also developed a, free, uh, a prefrontal cortex. So we've got that lizard brain, the amygdala, and then the slow brain, the logical brain um, of the... Of the um, prefrontal cortex. And so you just need to pause and just give yourself, what am I listening to? And I know, I know I just essentially taught part of a lecture for a class. I apologize for that. No, I don't apologize for that. That's me. Um, but I think Josh, you presenting this has been super helpful. So I'm kind of curious, um, do you have any kind of PSA of your own? Yeah, you know, I do want to, and I'm going to steal off of your, your side <laughs> of the list here, Bruce, because I, I do think it's important and you bring up a really good point. There's a, a certain type of game as we wrap this conversation up that I, I think it's important for us to to point out and just kind of discuss a little bit. Yeah. And, and that is gambling. Um, now I am a gambler personally. Um, you know, I play poker regularly. Um, I enjoy going to casinos, but gambling and especially casinos are built entirely on the sunk cost fallacy. Yep. You are encouraged to continue to try and reap the reward um, at all costs. And, and that can be fun as we talk about, you know, purchasing games on Kickstarter right now. Honestly, there, there are people who probably have, have a, purchasing problem and and maybe buy above what their income level is and and that's a problem in and of its own right um and and something that i encourage people to to seek help for if that's something that you are subject Mm to um but you know for for me at least we joke about you know this alien brain needing to back certain things on kickstarter and and I have the money to be able to do that. I am fortunate enough to to have that security and that income. But for gambling, a lot of people are lives can be ruined by yeah. by sunk fallacy, right? I go to the casino and I lost a hundred dollars. Well, if I bid a thousand dollars, I'll make that back. If I bid two thousand dollars, I'll make that back. If I bid $4,000, I'll make that back. And 
that's where sunk cost fallacy goes from being this fun economic theory and conversation to ruining lives. And so that's the thing to watch out for. Um, You know, I have a very solid rule uh, when I go to the casino uh, and that is I take out a set amount of money and I leave my debit card and my credit card in the car. Okay. Uh, And the money that I have in my pocket when I walk into the casino is the money that I am willing to lose. Um, and if you aren't able to set that limit for yourself, um, then then I think it's important for you to consider seeking help with with your gambling. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to put that out there that casinos are 100% built on convincing you that if you just invest a little bit more, you'll you'll make your money back and then some, and it's just not going to happen. Um, more often than not, you're going to lose. Yeah, yeah, and I thank you for talking about that, Josh. Especially your lived experiences there, and you might be like, "But how do I have an accountability process with like a Kickstarter?" Talk to your friends about it. Um, so there's also a thing about having other people know of your goals and. You're, and what you're trying to do. Um, Josh, you know that I bet, you know, every time I back something on Kickstarter, cause I know when you do, um, because I have it enabled where I follow you on there. So if you have a, a friend who's on Kickstarter, even if they're not even using it, um, they can follow you on there so they can, you can have them look you up. Um, and so that way they'll be notified if you back something and then they can have that conversation of like, did you mean to back that? Um, and so I would just encourage that, uh, seeking support doesn't always mean counseling. It could just be like a friend group, um, and have, and talking to somebody, or maybe that's your partner. Um, and so if you are somebody who's experienced this, um, in some of these potentially negative impacting ways, um, then we please encourage, we encourage you to get some support, um, because like we all get affected by things, right? Like, and just getting support is just what it means to be human. Um, so Josh, I just want to say thank you for bringing up this really cool topic. Um, and I enjoyed unpacking this. Like literally we threw, uh, I, I dug into literature from the library for a couple hours, put stuff together. Josh, you did your stuff and we just came together to have this conversation. Like, this was not scripted. We just had some talking points we wanted to talk about, but how those came up and we honestly didn't even cover them all. Um, was all just narrow, like us just talking from our lenses and from our experiences. And so if you enjoyed this, please make sure to give us a five-star rating in the podcast app that you're listening to. Um, if you have any questions or you want to talk more, please feel free to email us boardgameimpact.gmail.com. Um, you can also do that on any of our social media pages. Um, and we just really want to say thank you for all the um, impact that you've had on our lives. So this show is going live the week of Thanksgiving um, in 2020, which um, Thanksgiving is a very special time for me. It's my favorite holiday. It's also the time of year that I proposed to my wife. Um, and with that being said, there's just really good memories. Um, and so I just encourage you to be thankful. Um, and hopefully in knowing sunk cost fallacy, that might help with that. Um, and getting that support um, is really what these seasons are about, especially in 2020, y'all. Um, but yeah, so we just want to say thank you for listening. Josh, do you have any closing statements? Uh, I, I'm just going to go back to a couple things here. First, um, you, you mentioned the social media. One thing that I would love uh, for listeners to do, if you think about it and you have the time, I'd love to hear what your experience with, with sunk cost fallacy in board gaming 
uh, has been and, and just kind of have that conversation ongoing. Um, something I, I'd really love to see come out of this community that we are building and, and growing is uh, a, a discussion, right? I'd love to hear from our listeners in that respect. Yeah, that's a really great idea, Josh. Um, and I can't wait to see your emails and see your posts on social media to us. So please do that. Um, but again, make sure to talk to a friend about this too. And um, if, especially if there's someone you've seen experiencing some of these things, be like, hey, I heard about this all cool episode of Board Game Impact. You should listen to it. Um, so do that. But until next time, go have a positive impact on the world. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>